You're listening to the Hustle Culture Podcast, where we profile hustlers from all over the world as they go through the climb and seek to make a difference. Here are your hosts, Tayo Roxon and Carlos Gill. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Hustle Culture. And as always, I've got my partner in crime, Carlos Gill. I call him Los. The rest of the world calls him the biggest superstar that has been around since Gary Vee. How are you doing, Carlos? <laughs> Tyle, what's up, my man? I got to say, between you and Saba, <laughs> my other co-host on my other podcast, Social 545, you guys are the Carlos Gill hype machine. And I got to say that with all the love in the world for you, brother. It's great to be back here on another episode of Hustle Culture with you. Hey, look, uh, we just like to call like it is, and we're very proud of you. But, um, you know, one of the things that we love doing is talking about entrepreneurship, and we love talking about the generation of entrepreneurs. A lot of times we have millennials on the show because they are certainly an entrepreneurial generation, but a generation that we haven't tackled is uh, the Gen Zers. And, and that direct relation directly, and I'm always fascinated by them because if they say we're entrepreneurial as millennials, I think possibly they might have reached the level that's ahead of us. So I'm excited about today's guest. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, you, you just said the generation below us, but I want to correct you and say, are they really below or are they ahead of us? Because I got to say, oh, you know, being I'm, I'm dad, not saying below like that. I mean, like age-wise. <laughs> being a dad to two Gen Zers, these kids, man, are much more ahead of where I know I was at 10 and 7 years old. You know, talking about you growing up really with, with an iPad in their hands. Like my kids, they don't watch TV anymore. They wake up and they grab their iPad mini and they watch YouTube and they use apps. And I got to say, man, it's uh, it's going to be crazy seeing this Gen Z generation, the way they grow up and the way they, they start to assume corporate level jobs, man, here in the next uh, you know decade or so. And uh, someone joining us here on, on this episode, I, in fact, I don't know if he's necessarily a Gen Z or if he's just a young millennial, but his name's Connor Blakely. And just to give you guys a little background, Tyo and I both um, have met Connor at different points. Uh, Connor actually approached Tyo and I several times as we were starting up Hustle Culture. Come on our show. Love the passion. Love the hustle. Um, Connor and I actually got a chance to meet at South by Southwest a couple of weeks ago. We hung out with Gary Vee. Uh, actually, that, that day, it seemed like we followed Gary Vee around to a few different speaking engagements. And the unique thing about Connor, where I think our guests here will enjoy this interview, is Connor, ladies and gentlemen, is 16 years old. Yes, said it right. He's 16 years old. He is in high school. He's already owned a business. He has aspirations to be the next Mark Cuban. Those are my words, not his. But uh, I'm really excited to have him here on the show. So welcome to Hustle Culture, Connor. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be on. So, Connor, you know, yeah, Carl said we met at the conference uh, next gen. But I also met you at Connecticon. And you were hanging around with my buddy, Mina Salib. You were hanging around, <laughs> hang around his, his, uh, his crib. But you were also preparing for um, a, a speech because you were given a session as well in that conference. And I guess for me, it's curious. Uh, I'm just curious about when you decided that you wanted to be an entrepreneur because you being 16 i've I've got to think it it must have been a really 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 early age yeah i mean i'm i i'm i believe that uh you can't become an entrepreneur you can't make that choice i think that it's definitely a dna trait um right now we're in that time where any kid who's cutting his neighbor's grass 
uh, and has one client and gets paid $20 every Saturday is now calling themselves an entrepreneur. Um, I, I just can't wait for this like entrepreneurship being sexy to pop. So then everyone who's fake gets exposed because I just want to see like the hustlers actually like make it and then tear. <laughs> I want to see them tear everyone up who's fake. Um, I, I don't think I ever decided it. I just think that it just kind of happened naturally. Um, growing up, uh, I used to, my first, like when I was seven, I used to steal people's rocks from their yards, uh, like the really pretty ones, like, like that had quartz, they were pink. And I used to go to their door and then try to sell it back to them. Uh, like I, I know you guys are familiar with Gary V2. My story is scary, similar with his, like I did the lemonade franchising thing. Uh, and then in eighth grade, I started a homework selling network, uh, that I got suspended for. And then that was the point where who's an entrepreneur, who's an entrepreneur as well was like, listen, you can legit thing legit thing legit and, uh, teach yourself something that can bring real value to a business. Um, that's when I'm myself, so myself social media, cause I was really interested in Facebook at the time. And then, um, it just kind of spilled all the way down from there. So I, I, I got to ask you a question, Connor. Um, first of all, are you a sophomore or a junior? I, I'm a junior. School? You're a junior. So I was actually thinking about this as I was preparing for our interview today. I was trying to think back to when I was 16 and I was a, I think I was either a sophomore or a junior. And like, honestly, dude, my hustle back then was like how to get girls, <laughs> how to yeah, like, how, like seriously, like how to get girls, like how to, you know, I used to work at a shoe store growing up. Um, so that's kind of like where I inherited my, or not inherited, where I developed my like social and like sales and like people skills was selling shoes. So basically I was like working just to make a couple hundred bucks a week just so I could like take a girl out to the movies and give her a good time and like, you know, maybe get some. So, um, how, I just want to know, like how prevalent is it in high school today for kids? And, and I say it with all the love in the world, you know, I say kids, um, but how is it like in high school today and like how prevalent is it in high school today for kids to be talking about entrepreneurship and starting a business? Because I got to be honest with you, man, back in the day in like the late nineties, when I was in high school, nobody was talking about running a business unless it was like their family owned business that they were like working at on the weekends or after school. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's pretty insane. Like I said before, how the kids like who are doing the lawn care stuff, I don't think it's because they want to be fake. I just think it's because they want to catch the wave of like excitement and the opportunity that, uh, that's happening right now. And it's so prevalent. Um, my school has a really great entrepreneurship program, uh, St. Edward High School. Uh, they're really incubating like entrepreneurship and trying to get kids interested. And to be honest with you, if they didn't have the program, the kids would still be heavily, heavily involved. Like I have kids on a daily basis coming up to me and are like, oh my God, I have this awesome idea. Or I ha- I've been selling shoes. I've been creating this apparel line. I've been blah, blah. And it, it just gets for like, excited for like, what, what, what's going to come out of them in two years? And of course you have the kids who are like, oh my God, Forbes, like stuff like that. But I think everyone just generally understands um, how really cool and into it. I was into it. I was into it. I was into it. Um, um, it. It's definitely prevalent and I'm just excited to see what comes out of it. So is is it prevalent though in a way where kids nowadays are watching like the Mark Cubans and Gary V's of the world on YouTube and then they say like, you know, fuck going to college. That's who I want to be. And is it more of like a status thing? Like if you want to be a cool kid, 
back in the day, it used to be playing sports. And nowadays it's like, I'm going to have the most money once I graduate high school. Is it like prevalent like that? More of like a status? No, I don't think it's there yet, but I think it will be. I think it's still, yeah, it's definitely not there yet. Um, Kids are way too scared to be able to say fuck school. Um, Like, yeah, that's, that's definitely what I've gotten. Just meeting kids across the country and speaking at schools. Um, I think that kids don't see the line or the difference between education and school. Um, I hear a lot of parents, who, uh, my friend's parents say, all right, yeah, go to school. You have to get your education. Well, you can stay home from school and be quote unquote sick for a day and get more education than you would at school. So for me, I think that the education reformation is what I like to call it. Um, I think a lot of people in the next couple of years are going to be able to slowly realize what education really starts. Yeah, so this, well, let me ask you this then. What is your education reformation? What are you planning to do as you graduate from, you know, from high school? Um, to be determined, I'm really, I really have no idea. I mean, for me, it's uh, like we're assigned books to read in English class and other classes. And like, quick example was Huck Finn. Like, I don't want to read Huck Finn. I'll, I'll just read the chapter summaries. But instead, like I'm, I look to my right and I have the perfect day formula written by, okay. Uh, wow. It doesn't have an author title, but it's called the perfect day formula. I've been reading it for a couple of days now and it's awesome. I didn't read, I didn't open Huck Finn. Like I'm getting actual value and an education that I can apply to my real life and day to day to create my perfect day formula from this book rather than doing that. So I'm, I'm really pursuing like self-development, traveling, working, like actual things that'll bring me real value. Um, if I can do that in a college setting, that's great, but I'm leaning towards, um, just, just so rolling you, with what So I've would got. you say that a lot of, you know, and, and I'm not that, you know, I know I, I'm not, I have a brother that is a 16 year old as well. So it's not something I have a conversation with him as well. And he's very, very, you know, entrepreneurial and passion driven. And I'm, I'm just curious because when I was at Next Gen and we met, it was really the first time I'd ever been to a conference where majority of people were younger than me. I, I, you know, at the time I was 25, which is, was the last day. And I was thinking, wow, this, this is, this is crazy. I'm used to being the youngest, but everybody here has a sense of what the passion is and what they want to do. And do you think that as the youth are growing up, they're certainly doing things that they, they love as opposed to doing things that they're told to do? Um, hmm. Like, are you, do you mean, uh, are young people just following down the traditional path rather than following things that they're passionate right, about? Right. Are young people more, yeah. are young people more inclined to follow their passions as opposed to go the traditional route? I think that they're developing side hustles. Um, I think that a lot of them are too scared to go all in away from the traditional uh, system or traditional path just because of the shit that they'll get with it. Um, it's sad, but it's true. I mean, if you don't go with the traditional path, you're going to get a lot of what the heck are you doing or uh, are you really going to make it? Do you really trust yourself? Like, how can you go all in on something when you don't know? Um, so I think a lot of kids are kind of not they're not seeing through the noise and BS that they're getting. They're just, they're just, they're just having side hustles and they're pursuing their passions in that way, which isn't a bad thing. Like I have a bunch of side hustles too, like with other stuff I'm passionate about. But I think that's where, and I think that that'll change in the next uh, two to three years of kids realizing I trust myself to execute. I'm going all in on what I'm passionate about.
Now, now, what I'm very curious to know, you, you say side hustle. And when I think of side hustle, I think of someone like myself who's in his early 30s, works a, a job, has a career, but also has different interests on the side, like hustle culture being one of them. So for someone who's in high school or someone like at the next gen summit level that's either in college or just got out of college and just kind of getting their feet wet, what is a side hustle exactly? Because I would think... If you're working and you're doing something to generate revenue, that is your hustle. Um, quick example. Uh, for me, here, here, my definition of a side hustle is I, do, I don't want to say passive income because I truly believe that there's no such thing as passive income because whatever you really are doing, you're going to have to put in the work and the hustle on the front or back end to make it successful. Um, so like mm-hmm. once a month on a Saturday, I'll have like – it's like a teenage club. And it's a it's this place called Loft sixty five, and each time I make like three hundred four hundred dollars, and all I get to do is go out, hang out with girls, and dance, and hang out with all my friends, like that. And it's on Saturday, and that's normally my day off. But it's something like it's fun, and I'm passionate about it, and it's like getting people there. Like you don't have to put in a ton of work, but you still make a lot of money. Um, just little stuff like that. Okay. Well, okay. So, Connor, this is a question I have for you. That I'm very, very curious about. You, you're 16. Who are your biggest inspirations? And tell me why exactly they are your biggest inspirations. And then I'll follow up with another question. Okay. Um, I I know you got. I know Carlos is definitely not going to say this. Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, you huge one for me. Uh, yeah, he's just like the great guy. Um. Yeah, I, I can't even put it into words. Like, we, I believe that we are, like, so similar. Like, when he says he intuitively knows, like, that he's great and he just wants every – like, he can't wait for everyone to, like, actually see it. That's exactly what I feel inside. Um, like, the way that he treats people, um, the way that he uh, carries out execution, becomes a practitioner, those are all things I hope to embody. Um, we also, I think we have like somewhat similar speaking styles. Um, love that, love that part about them. Uh, another, another huge inspiration to me. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Cameron Harold. Uh, he is the former COO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Uh, he did a really widely known Ted talk on, uh, how to raise your kid as an entrepreneur. Highly recommend it. Um, in, in eighth grade, I got diagnosed with ADD, ADHD. I was get, almost getting suspended. I heard the word entrepreneurship for the first time. So I Google kid entrepreneurship. Cameron Harold comes up. I watch, I watch this guy's TED talk. Blew my mind away. Once again, the same case as Gary. We had like me and Cameron have really similar stories. I was like, I've got to meet this guy. I sent him like three or four emails before he finally got on a call with me. And I've known him for like almost two and a half years now. And it just kind of blossomed from there. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, my two biggest inspirations are definitely Cameron Harold and Gary Vaynerchuk. Okay. No, so that's good. I wanted to sort of give the audience a chance to to think about people that you aspire to and, and the, the chances that, I mean, I guess the style that you have. Now, those Gary V, very in your face, but yeah. very raw and honest. It appears that you have that, that similar style. Um, you said you have similar stories. Now, someone listed might say, well, you're 60 and the guy is 40. What do you mean you have similar stories? Yeah, I mean, I would tell them that, just watch. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah give me a couple oh, years because i mean i 
like the growing up part of it, like the lemonade stand, the young hustle, like the born entrepreneurship, that DNA, uh, and then carrying that through, like kind of not being great at school, but still getting through it. Um, so I think that where it'll really shine through on how we have similar stories will play out in the next three to three to six years. So I guess it's to, to be determined if I mess up or not. <laughs> no, it's great. No. Los, uh, I know you're also a big Gary Vee fan. So what do you have to say about this? Yeah, you know, it was actually, uh, I'm going to share a story with, with our listeners out there. So I, I hadn't met Gary Vee up, yeah. up until this point in person. Yeah, I've been following Gary Vee. I believe I told you this, Connor, since about 2009 when he came out with Crush It. So I've been studying Gary for, for almost a decade now. He's made a huge impact in my former business, in my startup that I had, Jobs Direct USA. Um, you know, the lessons I've learned through Gary over the years has helped me, you know, in public speaking. It's helped me at the corporate and brand level. So definitely, I owe a lot of gratitude and thanks to Gary. So I'm in Austin. Connor's in Austin also for South by Southwest. And Connor and I are going back and forth through Snapchat. And we're like, hey, let's meet up. So he says, meet me over at the Hilton. And I said to him, I can't. I'm over here at the convention center. I came two hours early to get a front row seat for Gary. Next snap I get from Connor, he sends me a snap of Gary. I'm like, oh, fuck. I just missed like my opportunity to meet Gary like on a baller level at his hotel outside the convention center. So I was like kicking myself in the ass. I'm like, damn, Connor, like tell me where you're going to be at. Like once you get over here, and I'll come meet up with you. So long story short, since I was a speaker at South by Southwest, I had access to like the whole backstage area. And after Steve Case, founder of AOL, spoke, which was right before Gary, I went backstage think I would see Gary. Well, I learned from watching the Daily V from South by that Gary, again, all about community, humble when it comes to his fans, was actually greeting his fans at the entrance to where he was going to speak one by one as they were coming in. Long story short, guys, I wind up walking right in like five minutes before Gary goes on stage. I wind up like walking right in onto like the side of the stage where, where Connor's at the whole Vanier media crews there with Gary getting ready before he does his thing. He was actually on Facebook live. And then I just happened to like walk right in to that production, which is where Connor and I met for the first time, got to meet Gary for the first time. And Connor and I wound up hanging around with Gary for most of that day um, and saw him speak a couple more times after that. And uh, I'm right there with you, man. You know, uh, Gary is one of those one of those individuals that uh, he's like an open book. You can study from him. There's nothing really proprietary to what he's doing, and he's like very open about this. Like he hasn't created a social network. You know, he's basically created a roadmap that if you follow very closely, if your aspiration is to speak, you know, at conferences, if your aspiration is to run a media agency like Vanier Media, you know, he's kind of given you the foundation and the groundwork to do that, but. You know, one thing I can personally attest to is that he's all about his fans. He's all about his community. You know, I witnessed this guy on three separate occasions sticking around to take selfies. Yeah, and I mean, me and you had a chance, every uh, even after Gary really left, admirable. like, to uh, hang out say. with D-Rock, who's Gary's, like, film dude and who films, films him all the time. And I mean, even, like, me and you hanging around D-Rock, like, we just, we, it, we could tell. Like, it rubs off. Like, and he was a super awesome, like, really cool, amazing guy, too. Um, I like to have had the chance to go to VaynerMedia um, and hang out with a lot of people there like Emily, Sam Bach. And honestly, like I've never seen a better culture like anywhere, like any company I've ever been to. Like it's scary. Like 
VaynerMedia, I, I have a gut feeling like they could flip tomorrow and sell shoes and then become a billion dollar company. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, one, one of the things that you said, Connor, um, earlier in the interview is about travel, that you're getting around, you're traveling to different events. So this is actually going to be a two-part question. One, as you're going to these events, like, what is your purpose? What's your end game of going to events like South by Southwest and others out there? And two, does do you feel um, that it works to I your mean, advantage or I mean, it hurts I literally, you like, that you're when I, years When old? I told my parents I was going to South by Southwest, my dad was like listen like what's your game plan i was like i have zero game plan like i'm gonna hang out with gary on friday um hopefully i meet some cool people uh like i i I just go in open open open-minded because i feel like if i go there with an agenda then i won't come off as my authentic self which i think helps a lot of people and it gives them context for the kind of person that i am uh and what i'm trying to do uh, so I, anytime I go somewhere, I just try to hang out with cool people and have good discussions. And then if they ask me what I do and the, like what value I could bring, stuff like that, then yeah, I'll talk about it and go into it. But I'm not going to just go out there and just ask and be a taker. Um, cause I think I literally hate people who are like that. Um, so, and then do I think it works to my advantage that I'm 16? Here's what I think that when people send an email, click on the link. Click on the link and click on the link and click on the Google my name. I think when they see 16, they think that I'm just a kid who saw an episode of Shark Tank and has an idea and thinks that he's an entrepreneur. Um, I think that that gets me, gets me in the door uh, to a lot of different places that I otherwise wouldn't necessarily have easy access to. Um, but then I, so it's being 16, it helps get me in the door. Now that breeds another challenge is proving to them that I actually know whatever the hell I'm talking about. So I think that once I get in the door and they actually see that I'm, well, I'd like to think that I'm a pretty knowledgeable 16 year old. Um, so I think that that then again, being knowledgeable and actually being able to bring value at 16 is where it really plays to my advantage and difference differentiates me from like pretty much everyone else in, in my industry. Okay, but okay. So let's say this. I, I know you said you don't go into a conference with a plan, but you know I've been to conferences. You've been to conferences. Uh, we met at a couple actually. The the whole conference can be draining, you know, and, and it can be an interesting experience if you really don't have any gold there, because sometimes it just ends up being you taking a bunch of business cards you're never going to use. And I guess my question is around the hustle to meet all these cool people as you define them. What what is th- there's got to be some yeah. goal, right? You know, there's got to be some. Um, thinking of. Okay. So for me, the plan where it sets is, um, I wanted to meet, uh, B Boyne and Bo. I, I want, oh, I cannot pronounce his name. And he's the head of Bonin, Bonin, head of mobile strategy for Mondelez International. I wanted Bonin. to meet, uh, the CEO of Arby's, CMO of CC's. Um, I, Carlos introduced me to Brian Solis. Um, so I think my plan is to be surrounded by people who are a in my industry, B can help me and C I think are actually genuinely cool people. And then just kind of putting myself in the situation and then letting it go from there. So my plan is to get myself in, in the ideal situation for myself to then have a positive outcome or meet some cool people. And then from there, it's just open-ended. 
So what does the future look like for you, Connor? I, I think, you know, for anyone listening to this interview right now, they're probably thinking, you know, here's a guy who's obviously, you know, very driven, very passionate. You know, I, I think throughout this interview, you've, you've hinted and alluded to the fact that, you know, you might not necessarily know what success looks like, you know, um, because yeah, it's probably because of your age. Uh, but if you had to go ahead and pinpoint, like, what direction do you want to go in? Do, do you want to go down the consulting route, you know, slash advisor. Uh, and I do want to talk about, you know, I, I do want to get to this throughout this interview in terms of you potentially advising the companies on marketing the Gen Z and younger millennials. But, so you know, what does the I, trajectory I, look like? This. Exactly? I'm leveraging my marketing knowledge, my advertising knowledge, my age, uh, perspective, perspective and insight packaged, packaged it all into one. Uh, to be like a consultant advisor for now, because that's where I think that I can bring the most value to both the people at the companies and then the companies and these big conglomerates. So that that's where I feel I can bring the most value right now. Um, for me, this is just a stepping stone to the next thing uh, that I'm doing. I have a couple of projects in the works uh, right now that I, potentially after this could take off and then that be my main focus. But right now, um, for one is a one is an online publication that is just highlighting everything that's up and coming, uh, up and comers. Uh, another one, um, it's called Kindness TV. Uh, I've grown the Snapchat following to three thousand five hundred uh, people, and it's basically uh, highlighting social good through our Snapchat stories. Um, so, like once a week, I'll go downtown Cleveland. Uh, I'll, I'll get packages of food and stuff and I'll literally hand them out to homeless people, whether it's paying someone's gas or uh, buying someone's groceries. And then I just highlight it through my Snapchat stories to inspire social good and change. Uh, that potential, I think that has a lot of opportunity to uh, scale a ton. So I'm also working on that. So, I mean, those things could blow up and then take my focus. But right now the consulting and advising is just a stepping stone uh, for me to my next Big, big thing. So when you talk about consulting advising, what specifically is it that from your perspective, at, yeah, you know, taking so, into account your age okay. today and your All experience, what is really it specifically that you can consult right? on? They have that, the average age of a Fortune 500 CMO is 47 years old. Mm -hmm. Now... All these companies, they pay a shit ton of money to get the data on what young people okay. think, what their perspectives are, what their buying power is, uh, what are their insights, all of that. Now, you're going to have these older, older CMOs and their staff and their marketing people. They're all going to be taking that data and then applying it to a marketing and branding strategy that's impactful and meaningful, right? So taking the data about young people and having an older person interpret it is not right. the most effective manner. So for me, where I fit in right now is for certain campaigns or whether it's the overall brand or marketing strategy, I kind of serve as the liaison to kind of take a step in to be able to apply that uh, data effectively rather than having an older person do it because I am entrenched and then I have the marketing knowledge uh, an experience to back up the insights to then curate uh, that strategy that has a really big impact. Well, let, let, let me That's ask you this question. Though. Let me kind of put you on the spot. So, if I'm a CMO at, let's say, Procter and Gamble, uh, you know, large, large, 
large CPG conglomerate. So let's say I'm the CMO of Procter and Gamble, and I want to move more Old Spice, and I want to be able to reach a younger demographic. Let's say between uh, 13 to 24 years old. So anywhere from middle school to someone just graduating college. How can someone like Did you, you with your expertise? Go ahead and help us solve how to <laughs> make our brand much more right relevant because they have a clax ash and suit coming because they're burning people's Correct. armpits. Oh, wow! <laughs> so <laughs> it's all yeah. yeah. Old for old for old for old for old. I'm, I'm, for them specifically, I would stray stray away from that. Um, or if it's not Old Spice, so it's just, just any brand, any brand in particular, any brand in particular who is looking to be more effective in connecting with uh consumers your age because let's let's face it you know you're a consumer i know when i was 16 years old i was influencing my parents buying decisions we go to the supermarket and say hey mom you know buy you know dial soap and not caress because you know dials what my friends use so like how again what i really want to get to is from a consultant level like i think it's all about your expertise like of course that that 47 47 cmo they have the like they have they wouldn't be there if they didn't know their shit right so me knowing that they know exactly what they're doing at that level, it's them utilizing both my experience, right. my experience and knowledge aside, but utilizing unique, pers- unique, pers- unique, pers- unique perspective and insights since I'm entrenched in the generation and then I can bring value because I know what we would like to see both in a brand, a marketing strategy, and the actual product as well as how it's advertised through the various platforms, uh, paying attention to the attention graphs, like where where Gen, where is Gen Z eyes right now? And I can tell you right now, it's sure as hell not in TV advertising. I know one thing that we heard Gary said was, well, show me the ROI of your TV ad. And then then all these CMOs will shit themselves. And then and then he'll bring in social media and say, hey, we, we can actually quantify something here. So for me, it's about what is Gen Z? First, I go, what what overall brand values are we going to implement right. in marketing and branding strategy, right? Authenticity, wh- whatever it may be. Take those adjectives, pair those adjectives mm-hmm. with the target consumer. So who are you trying to target? And then once you see that, where where is your target audience living? Whether it's social media or how can you get to them through influencers or, uh, or PR or and just different stuff like that. And then it's and then from there it's just specific to the brand and then utilizing what we know and then just going after it and creating a campaign around it that, that will then connect. I can what does sure as hell tell, tell you it's not Gen promoted Z tweets exactly <laughs> from brands and advertising. Oh the whole reason I the whole reason I got into this uh, the, <laughs> this whole I, idea or what the idea in the first place is because me and my friends were playing basketball uh-huh. one day. Uh, for four, for literally four hours straight, beautiful summer day. When we're done getting Gatorade and stuff, right. scrolling, they're scrolling through Twitter at the rate. At, it was insane how fast they were scrolling through, only, only to pause for one second to see what their friend had to say. And in the midst of their scrolling, I'm like, holy shit, brands are spending a ton of money on promoted tweets that people are just scrolling by. So that's kind of what inspired me to go ahead and do it like this whole entire thing was to fix the shitty advertising that brands were doing towards my generation. When in reality, if they do it right, I believe that they can wholeheartedly create brand loyal lifelong consumers because I mean the, um, the thesis right now is Gen Z is the most unbrand loyal, uncaring 
generation to ever walk the face of the earth. No, no, no. We're we're actually the most brand loyal generation to ever walk the face of the earth. The only the only difference is is what we have so much access to technology and information that once we're brand loyal, we can continue to explore to see if there's something better to bring more value to our life. Right. So I think what Gen Z wants to see is the authenticity from brands and actually giving a shit about what they want to see in a product, but what they want to talk, they want to be talked, they want to be talked with and not at. And I don't think that's just social media and engagement. I think that's overall. Like I think product placement in films. Uh, we were talking about this in South by Southwest. I think virtual reality is is going to be huge, and I agree with Nick, Nick House when he said it's only five years away from uh, consumer scale. So it's not only about what we want to see, but how can they position themselves as a brand to be ready for that next big wave of uh, of marketing that's going to hit. So the brand values are already aligned with the next thing. So it's easy shoveling. Uh, Gen Z consumers from one medium to another to then consume their content and how they can bring value. Right. No, so check this out. Um, all the trends, all the trends that you've been saying, and one of the things that I do is I, I read up on, on certain generations, and I did come across the fact that 2016 a big year for your generation in the sense that you know, I mean, you they classified Gen Z as born between 1996 to 2010. This is the first year that your generation is going to vote. You know, the first, the oldest, I believe, would be 20 years old. And you also have a spending power of $44 billion. But some of the trends that I, I saw were interesting, and I wanted you to see if you can confirm this or not. So they say you all approach adulthood in mind and body. That you, you already act like adults at age 10, essentially. Mm -hmm. do you, would you agree with that? Yeah. Okay. I would 100% agree with that. And I'm, I, it's because uh, it's not that they're entitled. It's because they feel that they're on the same le education level because right. of that barrier to technology. That, that's exactly why. Like, why, why, why are uh, these older people smarter than me when at the touch of my phone, I can know so you, exactly yeah, You guys are now. essentially the true digital natives. I mean, you were born at an age where technology, I mean, yes. I, I'm, I'm 26 and – you know, I, I immigrated, you know, I was certainly at an age when it started to come across, but you guys were born with all that. Okay. Another thing that you touched, they touched on was filtering at the speed of light, you know, getting your attention is harder each month because the eight seconds. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Micro marketing yeah, is what they're calling it now. Cause we have a five to six second. Uh, exactly. So over time with this continuous screen usage, um, I'm just curious as <laughs> how efficient you know marketers have to get to get to your eyeballs because it could be four seconds <laughs> really if you if you can't convey a brand message or give value in less than seven seconds in the in, in the in the next year you are absolutely screwed in at face value you're like shit we only have seven seconds oh my god it's, it's genuinely not that complicated because when I tell you there's so many mediums, Snapchat, it's zero to 10 and you can directly engage with people. And if they click on your story, they're already opting into consuming it. Get really, 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 really heavy on gifts right now. They, like I know a lot of big publications um, like who I've wrote for and stuff. They say, stay away from cliches, stay away from cliches. I'm like, why people relate and resonate with cliches and, and tying it into an overall message. And that's, that's exactly what gifts do. 
it, it's a cliche. And then it was, and then it was, and then it was, and that ties a message along with it. So I think, I think that, that not a lot of brands are paying attention to gifts right now. Um, and the ones that are utilizing it or seeing how effective it is. Um, That's interesting. I'm really That's interesting on gifts right now on Snapchat. So, so let's stay on the topic of Snapchat for a second. Um, you know, I, I'm high on Snapchat too, and I've actually recruited my my pal, partner in crime, Tayo, over to the dark side of Snapchat as well. So, is Snapchat immediately that from they your 100% perspective, have to every because brand that's where, who's that's trying to reach your demographic is. should be and on today? I, I talk. I think that I just gave a keynote a couple of days ago on this. The, if brands on Snapchat measure ROI, not in return on investment, but in return on interaction, they will see the legitimate ROI grow more than 50% just by doing it. So for instance, they, like, they, they build out their Snapchat, cross-promote it, they get a shit ton of people on their Snapchat following. They should not be selling or promoting anything. They, they they shouldn't because what's that going to come off as? Now that we have your attention, we're going to use it to sell stuff to you. We're not going to bring you any value. We're just going to tell you to come buy our stuff. And and we're going to waste your time now that you're opting into viewing it. That's not going to fly. Um, the brands need to position themselves to be ready for – the, not that they need to be ready, that they should already be ready like I talked, talked about before to shovel in Gen Z eyes onto the platform, but they should already have their brand values aligned so that when they're coming in to opt in to view the content, okay, they're so, not okay. expecting. No, I, I, I love, love exactly what you're saying. And the reason I brought that article up is because it's, it really is, it's such a fascinating thing for me because I think with each um, uh, marketing tool, social media app, it, the idea is to get as much attention as quickly as possible. And Snapchat 2016, everybody's been talking about it. The calls will argue that it's been out since 2014. That's really when it was supposed to be paid more attention to. But um, with with you and, and with you going to conferences, yeah. with you being 16, with you making friends with people twice your age, with you being able to to feel like an adult at such a young age, my question to you is, what is hustle to you? You know, what does that word um, come across when someone says, I'm hustling? Because I'm looking at you and I was telling uh, Mina, our mutual friend the other day, I think uh, Connor is everywhere because I see pictures of him. <laughs> if it's South by Southwest or somewhere in New York or in Austin, and I'm like, how, how, is, how's, how is he everywhere when the conferences are like a week apart? The conferences are a week apart. And I, I'm just wondering what hustle is to you and what dent you want to make in this universe? I think hustle um, is not taking no for no. It's when you hear no, it's thinking it's not a yes yet. It's a maybe. Um, it's Once again, this is really, really cliche, but I think it's being told no and just kind of in a way just saying, you know what, I'm not going to accept the status quo and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get what I want. Um, I think that's exactly what, and it sounds, that that sounds pretty bad, but in ethical (laughs) ways, getting what you want in ethical way and and completely ethical ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the dent that I want to leave in the universe. Um, I think, I think what I want to set myself up. So by the time that I'm 26, 28, um, I'm financially capable of, being able to go out 
and support ev- like every single young person uh, doing cool things, whether it's with connections or funding. That. Uh, to um, go and pursue very, it. very precocious. Well, you're raising two precocious kids. You got a daughter and a son, and I, I'm curious as you as you're listening to to our man here, Connor, talk about these these things and how he gets excited about you know telling the right stories and using the right social media platforms. What have you noticed with your children um, right. as they're growing up in this age? You know what? What I noticed, and maybe it's because I work in social media for a living. But you know, with both of my kids, they actually get the lingo, which is which is kind of funny. Like yesterday, I was in the car talking with my daughter, and she gets content marketing and creating a personal brand. Again, she's seven years old. When I was seven, I was into like regular Nintendo and Mario Brothers, and you know, the least thing on my mind was my mom and dad's job. And I, I just think. You know, obviously, parenting has a lot to do with it. I'm sure, uh, Connor, that mm-hmm. your parents, you know, have businesses or work some sort of like professional, you know, jobs that you know you kind of acquired this. Um, same thing I know with you, Tayo, your dad being a diplomat. So you know, upbringing has a lot to do with it. But uh, I, I think just kids nowadays, like I consider myself a digital native because I've been using AOL back then when it was you know the only form of social media. I was using it. In 1995, when I was 12 years old, but the true digital natives are those kids today, like my own, and even like you, that have grown up with iPhones and iPads and high-speed internet, and they really don't know the difference. Like when I have to sit down and tell my kids that when I was their age, there was no such thing as an iPad, and I used to have to like put on the TV or I'd go outside to play. There was no such thing as FaceTime. Like for them, that's some mind-blowing shit. So, um, you know, I, I, I think to answer your question, Tayo, about, you know, how you raise kids nowadays, you know, it's just inherited. And uh, I, I tell you, man, if uh, baby boomers and Gen X's are worried about millennials creeping up on them, man, Gen Z, I think, is going to be that generation where you start to see C- a lot of corporate CEOs in their 20s. I got a question, though. I got a question, though, you know, which we haven't talked about. Um, and I know we're kind of running close here on time, but tell us, Connor, what is it that you do for fun, man? I'm, I'm sorry. I lost you for a second. What was that? What do I do for fun? Um, I love playing Connor. basketball outside with my friends. I said, um, tell us what you I, do I just for love fun. doing like the normal, like once again, the cliche high school stuff, like hanging out with your friends at houses, going to parties, going out to eat. Like me and my friends last night went to a hockey game and then went out to eat after. Like just normal stuff where you're having fun and having good conversation. That's really it for me. And then like I love what I do. So that comes natural to me. Um, I was actually having this conversation last week uh, with a couple of my mentors. They were like, we don't want you to get sucked in. So all of your fun is your work. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand. Like the people I work with or some of my good friends, like Tayo knows Mina. Like, it, it, like I would never hesitate to do anything with Mina in a second because I consider Mina one of my good friends. Like, and that's fun. It's easy. Yeah. One um, of the things that so, yeah, we like to do at the show here true. is, um, uh, first of all, thank you for acknowledging that balanced life because I think fun is really something that I'm learning how to do more of, but it's something that's very important, especially as, you, as you're growing. Um, but typically... We record on Saturdays. Yeah. It's the day after Shark Tank. And we like to get our guests to, to get into that Shark Tank mode where they're really pitching themselves or their businesses. And, and with you, you know, we, we're not going to let you escape this, sir. So I want you to, to get into the room, you know, picture us as, as huh. 
you know, Mark Cuban, Mr. Wonderful, whatever is on, whoever is on there. But how would you pitch yourself and your business in 30 seconds? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, elevator pitch. Um, the average age, average age of average age of under CMO is CMO is CMO is fifty years old. Uh, Gen Z consume 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 to ever walk the face of the earth, both in spending power and household influence. It's more important now than ever that companies uh, are are able to tap into this generation. Uh, what's better than having someone? <clears throat> who's entrenched uh, and knowledgeable about marketing uh, to assist you in creating a meaningful and impactful marketing and branding strategy. Uh, let me know how I can help you, whether it's advice, connection, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just let me know. Uh, and then ConnorBlakely.com as awesome. well. Uh, I mean, uh, you can drop a note uh, there. Thank you, though. One, thank you for coming on the show. And thank you for just being being yourself. You know, that's that's what we ask for each of our guests. And I appreciate you sharing a lot of insight on the importance of what it is um, to appreciate every generation and the value that you guys bring as well. Cause I, I think, um, I think a lot of people have misconceptions uh, and I think you have to correct them today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the hustle culture podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and keep on hustling.